Bennett. Daniel. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are things with you since our last uh, podcast? Since our last podcast, let's see. Um, well, actually, I was contacted through the old uh, the Facebook, as they say. Uh, oh. I got a message. Um, and oftentimes when I get a request or a message on Facebook, I don't use it that much. Uh, so when I get it, I just think spam uh and i'm correct yeah uh, i've got every time a, a few spam friend 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 requests lately i just ignore pretty much everything on there have you ever gotten a weird like friend request from someone you kind of sort of know but you were pretty sure you were already friends and you looked them up and yeah sure enough you are friends with yeah. them so they're like have they created another one i have, you're I have a little like happen. what's going on yeah i've had this happen too and then and then she was like oh i uh like I've, my account's been hacked, so if you get a friend request from me, I, the whole thing's peculiar, and I don't know. I don't know what that means. Like, what do you have any speculation on that? What what they mean when they say their account has been hacked? Oh no, I mean I'm sure they have been hacked, but like to what ends? Like, what is this hacker looking for by friending me? Let's say I accept, and then they, um, and then they what? Like they don't have access. I mean, I guess they have access to my photos and can steal my information. I suppose. I mean, um, maybe yeah, maybe they're stealing your information to impersonate you in some situation to you know get your password or something. I, I don't. I don't really know. Um, it's it's nebulous and it's worrisome. Um, but in this case, it struck me as first of all, it was someone who seemed so vaguely familiar that I couldn't put my finger on it, and then it didn't seem. Uh, unfortunately, probably, or at least my experience, you'll get a really clear fake like porn type account that's just gross, mm-hmm. and you just right. immediately block whatever. It wasn't like that either, and so um, she friend requested me, and then I messaged her, um, and then. She. It turns out she's like a cousin, a distant cousin, one that I actually remember. Um, and then we message. I mean, we message back. I'm just bad at messages, and I'm not that interested in it. <laughs> and she's about 24, and has been reconnecting and doing like this whole 23 and me, right. and like contacting family. And she's from a side of the family that. Uh, I don't even want to go all into it, but my dad's sister, they're not very close, and she was on that side, and she's been trying to... She's just been essentially uh, felt compelled to figure out who she is, and part of that journey, which I, you know, I totally get. Like, we all want to find out who we are in this world. Sure. So that has led her to reaching out to long-lost brothers and sisters and all of this stuff, and you could see that journey being posted on Facebook. And I thought to myself, that's really cool, and I, I... I sort of get why people do that, and then I feel almost like something's wrong with me that I don't. I have, I mean, I'm curious about doing one of these 23andMe for maybe personal, like, uh, like if I have a kid, what's the likelihood they'll have disease X or whatever? Right. Um, but I don't, I don't. I feel almost guilty that I don't know. Like, if I found out I had a long lost cousin, I wouldn't be like, oh, I've got to reach out to them or I've got to message them. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. Um, <clears throat> like they, uh, I guess I just don't place uh, a high value on family just because they're family. <laughs> just because they're family, I place right, a right. higher emphasis on the relationship involved. And so, I mean, you know, I couldn't even name my second cousins. I, I'm, I guess that just means I'm a really crappy family member um, in a lot of cases. But like. 
you know, I just don't really have a lot of interest in figuring out who my great 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 grandparents were, uh, or you know, where even really where my ancestors came from. You know, the genetic testing, twenty three and Me stuff. My main interest would be the same as yours. You know, what what genes do I have, and you know, what predilections do I have, and you know, what what are the what genes uh, that I have say certain things about my behaviors or whatever. Does do you think you and me maybe not caring as much about that sort of thing is a re- is a reflection of privilege? And I don't use that in the political sense, but that in the sense that um, I suppose long ago your your family was your we talk about relationships and how you value the relationship over the the bloodline. Um, but your family is it's your first relationship it's what it's the cards you're given when you're born into this world like this these are the people around you and these are the ones you're going to you know that are going to help you navigate through they're this crazy stick, mixed stick up world you. of ours yeah yeah they're going they're gonna, blood well, is because they say than blood water. is stickier than water yeah blood, <laughs> blood is stickier than water as they say yes the family and will so, stick with you through they, through thick through and thin thin and thick, thin and thick. yes um, and so that, especially when relationships were, I don't know if they're easier to come by now. They're just, there are more relationships. We're more intertwined across the world than ever before. So, um, anyway, I, I don't know. I'm just, well, I'm just thinking like, oh, is I, it a privilege to be able to go, eh, I, I, I don't need those relationships as maybe I would have in the, if I were born long ago in the past. Um, m- maybe, I mean, that's a possibility. I think the, I think Another possible explanation is that you and I are both pretty independent, um, and you know a, a big part of familial relationships in the past it was dependence. Um, you you have to rely on your family for certain things, money or shelter or whatever. And obviously, we had to do that when we were kids. But independence is, I mean, that's a trait that we both have, and maybe it's just that we don't feel the need to reach out and rely on uh, family members uh, for for whatever sort of finding ourself or, you know, knowledge or gratification we might want. I guess you're almost making the same point I'm making is that people long ago had to depend on each other more, and because of modern luxuries, it's, it's easier to be independent. Um, and, you know, since we're less dependent and we, our needs are met and we don't have this that particular need to be filled. We don't need someone there. Like, I, I have friends. I do have family. I, I feel supported. My network of support is fulfilled. And and maybe if I had a personal crisis, and I'm not suggesting that my uh, cousin that reached out to me is experiencing that, but maybe there would be a moment when I wanted to reexamine my social network um, or my support systems and and just like the natural place to turn them would be family. And there's a just sort of, I, I don't blame anyone for being curious. If I found out I was sure. adopted or whatever, like that would be, a, a, I would feel almost compelled to reach out. Um, but what about you? Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of having this deja vu. We've, we've tread this ground before. If you found out you were adopted, would you feel compelled? I, I mean, to, if to I found, out? if I found out now that I had been adopted, I just wouldn't really care. It's, I would go, huh, really? Huh, weird. Why didn't you tell me before? Um, but but I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't really care. Like I don't know these people who are my biological parents in this hypothetical situation. I mean, unless I really was adopted, I could have been. 
do you <laughs> do you think you're in the minority of opinion there? Like, what do you, I, I just Probably. suspect that most I mean, people will go, "Holy crap!" Well, just kind of like you would, and just, then go, "I've got to find out who they were." I mean, this is the plot of dozens of Lifetime Channel movies, right? Is someone finds out they were adopted, and then the the course the whole course of the movie is them like going through dramatic episodes of trying to find out who their parent is and and reconciling their mm-hmm. feelings about the whole matter and like I I don't know because I don't know any real life instances of this happening I don't know whether uh, that sort of behavior is common or whether that's just played up for dramatic purposes um so I can't really say I mean I just don't think it would really affect me that much uh I mean, a lot of people, I guess, would get caught up wondering why did they abandon me or was right. I not good enough or whatever. But, like, I just wouldn't have those thoughts because I would just be like, well, I was a baby. And, like, there's no reason yeah. to think, like, I was a deficient baby and that's right. why. The, the question of was I not good enough is certainly just not – I just don't think that's the answer. It's yeah. it's what was going on in their life. What circumstances led them that this was the best decision to make? Like The answer is almost not going to be pretty, right? It's not like life was going great. I was in a loving relationship, and then you came along, and we thought, you know, vacation time just sounds a lot better than, than <laughs> raising – and I just doubt that that's – Right. The path. Well, it's not a pretty path that led to it. I mean, it's it's probably not a pretty path. And so why do I want to learn that? I mean, ev- every human being has some amount of drama in their life. Some They have some issue or some complication or some problem. <clears throat> why pick this one person to go learn about their, you know, big lifetime drama when they have not, you know, I, I have no relationship with this person even though they are the one that potentially birthed me, like other than that one string connecting the two of us, there's nothing else. Well, that's, so, like, why pick that person to learn about? I I see your point, but I think framing it as one string is almost. I feel like let me let me push you a bit. It's almost like you're being hyper rational. Like you make a great logical. What other case, string but, is there? Uh, I'm just it's. Just calling it a string gives this metaphor of this thin thing connecting us and that one little thing, whereas I just – I suspect there's almost a biological impulse or some sort of Why? Uh, evolutionary like, – like because um, I'm just guessing that this sort of like parent-child uh, uh, relationship is so strong. Uh, there is some sort of innate connection based – you know, for survival. So I what mean, if, what if someone – generally for survival. What if someone lied to you and told you – that someone else was your mom would you immediately have a strong connection to this person um well lies are complicated like so if i've been well that's you know, i mean that's the thing like, it, no the, no it wouldn't be okay it wouldn't be i wouldn't automatically have a connection but i let's obviously if i'm believing the lie in this situation uh yet would i feel um I would feel something being told I'm adopted. I would feel something more than whoa. I would feel like I, I'd, I, I'd like to know more. And that, that's what I'm saying. My impulse is that I would like to know more. Yours is that sounds like a can of worms. My life's pretty good. Uh, you know, thanks for letting me know. Yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, essentially, that's a that's a pretty good summation of kind of what I would think about the matter. Um. I just don't I'm not sure I agree that there I I I do agree that having parent parental figures is very important but you know presumably your adoptive parents would already fill those roles 
So you already have that need filled. And right. now you learn you are, that your parents are actually your adoptive parents and you find out that you have biological parents out there somewhere. What, what drive is there to learn more about those people? Well, that's what I don't understand. I, I definitely can get behind the fact that there's a drive to have a parental relationship, but I'm not sh- convinced that, that there's something inherently biological about that. That it has to be your biological parents that that is the cause of this drive. And I think it's clear that you don't need a biological parent to have a great parent. There's no, sure, no one's yeah, questioning right, that. Yeah. But I do wonder if if let's just pull some numbers out of our butt and say that 95 percent of people. I, maybe you'll disagree, but like you, you tell 95, you tell 100 people that they've been adopted and 95 are, are going to at least strongly wrestle with the question of whether they want to reach out to their parents. It's going to, it's going to be on their minds for a long time where uh, yeah, five might just kind of shrug and go and walk along and go, thanks for telling me. Um, or is that a reason? I mean, whatever number, maybe. let's, let's I mean, say that's, it's 80. Let's that's say possible. I mean, I don't know what the proportion might be. That's what I was saying. Like, I think that this narrative has spun a lot in, movies and tv and i don't know what the realistic response is i don't i don't and i have not had this conversation with people so i don't know whether my response is unusual or not i guess you're right i mean i'll I'll take i can take your opinion for the matter and now i have learned something about myself that i have an unusual reaction in the case that i'm adopted but (laughs) but that's all i know i have no data points on this issue and i really don't either like for me to kind of come and say well you're i suspect your opinion is bizarre or not bizarre but just an outlier almost um i really am almost uncomfortable moving forward but let's gosh i wish i could just say that that's the case and then say well well, why is it is it because we've been conditioned by lifetime movies or is it because (laughs) there's something that says i need to know or because honestly i might not reach out to them either by the way but i would i would i would be polling people and asking and probably even like losing sleep and having dreams about it would like really play plague me about whether or not to reach out or not I, you know, part of the issue, part of the motivation, I, I think it's a combination of cu- simple curiosity and the fact that it's personal uh, and mysterious because it's so far back in your past that it's something that happened to you that you have no recollection of uh, when you were born. Um, at least I don't remember when I was born. Right. Uh, I don't either. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's 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 something deeply personal that happened to you. And, like, it's a mystery. That's simply it. And so if, if you have any sense of curiosity, then that's something that would at least make you question, huh, what were the circumstances surrounding that decision? And I wonder what those people are like. Uh, and, I mean, even even idle curiosity, things that would, I mean, I would ask these questions. Sure, I would be like, hmm, that's, you know, interesting. But it, I wouldn't have some strong drive to seek them out. I mean, I would wonder things like, I wonder if I look like them. Uh, but... Uh, past that, it would it would, just wouldn't motivate me that much. So, do you think a lot, uh, or it'd be far more on the on the nature nurture spectrum? The reason people are reaching out is because of they've been nurtured or they've been conditioned, not just through lifetime movies, but this sort of a sense of duty and family and yes. and like like almost like it's been a violation of something deep that they left. You know, they they yes. put you up for adoption and they're like they we need answers because we almost have a duty. Or I deserve some sort of explanation, and yes. combine that with the mystery. 
Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. definitely. I mean, you can imagine a culture in which children are raised more communally, um, communally, communistically. Yeah. Communist, um, communistically. Uh, where, where you know, the, the parents have less, or, or I should say the community has a greater role in raising the kids. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I can't name a culture like this, but I'm sure there are some. No, and, I've read about some, though. Right. Um, well, uh, and really quickly, I'll just say, I know I'm interrupting your thought, but that that they don't have a word for mom and dad. They have more of like parental figure, like male parental mm-hmm. figures and female parental figures. And it actually, because you use those words, um, you have your relationship with the elders in your community are different and more familial. And it's like, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And so you right. don't have the intimacy with that biological father. So go ahead. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's essentially where I was going with that. I mean, because you don't have that strong intimacy, you're not conditioned to have such a such an overriding drive to know your specific mother and father. And so if you were to find out that who you thought was your mother and father wasn't your mother or father, then, you know, you wouldn't have such a strong drive to, to answer those questions. Well, maybe you've convinced me. If I ever find out I'm adopted, I'll respond differently. Okay. <laughs> um, I have something I want to read to you. I uh, okay. I'm down. So, um, just listen up. Uh, <laughs> do I need to do anything else? I feel like I, the way you pitched that, I'm like a little well, giddy. We'll we'll get into it. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> <laughs> I had for my winter evening walk no one at all with whom to talk, but I had the cottages in a row up to their shining eyes in snow, and I thought I had the folk within. I had the sound of a violin. I had a glimpse through curtain laces of youthful forms and youthful faces. I had such company outward bound. I went till there were no cottages found. I turned and repented, but coming back, I saw no window but that was black. Over the snow my creaking feet disturbed the slumbering village street like profanation by your leave, at 10 o'clock of a winter eve. So. Snap, snap, snap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to say more? That um, sounded like a poem. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, that's what I was going to ask. What, what did I just read to you? What the heck was that thing? It sounded like a poem to me. How do you know? Uh, How do you know that was a poem? There was a certain rhyme scheme and flow to it it had a, almost this musical element when you're reading uh it sounded like in terms of i mean we could get into what is poetry but it had a concentration on a particular topic or feel uh examined it closely um and i i, I need i would need to listen again but i think it was like an aabbcc rhyme scheme you know like okay. each two like couplets so had- essentially so how did it rhymed? Had a rhyme scheme. It dealt with a particular topic. Nature, um, in this case, I would say, and that's very common in poetry. And so is that okay? Um, so I, it, you're it, you're an English teacher, so I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this piece of writing. Uh, and so, so you called it a poem. Do you think it was written <clears throat> by a professional poet? I feel like you're setting me up to either be by a professional poet or be by you, uh, if I'm being honest. Um, it felt 
yes, it felt profe- it felt of professional quality. It, uh, uh, any doubts that creep into my mind was the simplicity of the rhyme scheme. But who am I to who am I to say? Yes, it felt like a professional poem. Okay. Um, so the I, what? Let me what, just say what, this: if I wasn't suspicious by the way you framed this, sure, if I wasn't right. in sort well, of a hyper like "what's going on" mode, then I would just be like, "Yeah, that's a." Well, poem. it's good that you have your your antenna up here because I've got a, a great list of things to read for you and get your analysis of. Um, but <laughs> so, but and so that was an easy one. I'm starting off with the, with the easy ones. So that that you readily I, before I even asked the question, you readily identified that as a poem. And you pointed out that it rhymed and dealt with the topic and all of that stuff. And you think that it was of professional quality. So, I mean, I guess you can kind of you can kind of read between the lines of what I'm saying here and know that some of the things that I'm going to read to you are profession, professional poems and some are not. Uh, so um, I'll, I'll go ahead and spill the beans. That is a professional professionally written poem by Robert Frost, who I'm sure you've, you've heard of. I've heard of the guy. So when you talk, when you talk, you mentioned you were suspicious, I mean, obviously because this is a setup, but also you mentioned the simplicity of the rhyme was one reason why you were suspicious. Why does that have anything to do with it? It shouldn't. Uh, I was just thinking, honestly, I was thinking, is, is did like you're a smart guy, and you have the capability of crafting something uh, of that nature. The you, if you were intentionally trying to throw me off the scent, it was because you dealt with things, uh, even referencing, I believe, like a violin and and the topic of snow are not something that Bennett would write about. So really, I love like, snow. Well, you do. Okay, yeah, you love snow, but I actually like violins too. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't have the poem in front of me, so, um, but it just, it did not have uh, the sort of wit that if you were writing, not trying to disguise yourself, mm-hmm. I feel like I know you well enough that it, you, your voice would be revealed and that, that if this were written by you, you would have um, uh, disguise. I mean, it's a compliment to you really that I think you're capable of crafting what is um, likely a famous poem that I'm just, you know. I don't know how famous it is. I just, uh, I mean, Robert Frost, Robert Frost. So I know he's, I've actually heard of him, um, as opposed to basically every other poet. So, (laughs) um, so a simplicity should not be a knock. There's William Carlos Williams poems that are simply a line. Um, there's, there's, I mean, poetry is one of these fields that's ripe for, I could, this is a great topic because you could read me some nonsense and it could be a poem or not. And it's, even from a, if you wanted to call me an expert, so to speak, as an English teacher, you are an expert. That's why. Okay. I'm, that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> it makes because, me more nervous because you you can speak from authority on these matters, and I really don't know what the heck poetry is, especially after looking at some poetry. And so Wait. I really wanna I want to figure this thing out. We need One to get the- this straight and set these guidelines so that people can start really writing poetry instead of potentially nonsense. <laughs> well, it's actually or or no, actually, I have a more sinister motivation because I'm going to quit my job as an engineer and become a poet because this <laughs> crap is easy. What do they say about modern art? It's the kind of thing you look at and you say, "I could do that," but the point is, you didn't. <laughs> like oh, whoever else oh, did. And well, that's I'm what gonna, I'm going to flip this script so quick. <laughs> like you know, I, I talk a lot about how I'm going to you know in in a few uh, a few years I'm going to have a rap album, a country album. I'll, I'll do some modern art. I'll I'll have a young adult 
novel, and and I'll add poetry to the list. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm really good at parody in that way. It's not even parody. It's serious parody. Like, it is... Serious what is it parody. called? Copying, I guess. Like, co- <laughs> I mean, it's... It is sincerity, original, original plagiarism. That's what we we'll call it. <laughs> original plagiarism, sincerity. Yeah. It's not ironic. It's sincere. Homages. Um, okay. <laughs> um, all right. I, ha- I have another one uh, okay. that, that I want to read to you. So. <clears throat> In her dark, she surveys empty the vanity from the in-law's Bronx apartment, the brooch from a lover, loafers by a coat tree, trench coat, the husband's profile, an alarm, for news and forecast. Here she appraises fidelity before the light violates. Here she appraises... Fidelity. Fidelity before the light violates. That, that is correct. Um, uh, thoughts? Um, it didn't speak to me in the way the first one did. Um Okay, let's cut through some crap for a second. And what's weird, <laughs> what's about poetry? Let's is do it. This is it, what I'm. This is the point. I want to cut through this crap, man. This is this is annoying. It well, I, I suppose it annoys. The, the annoying thing about poetry is anything can be a poem, and so even if you say, "Well, I just scribbled this down," or "I found this on some blog that's you know not of professional quality," that doesn't. And, and or if you found some parody website, like it still doesn't mean it's not. It, it, to some degree, it's in the eyes of or in the ears of the listener. Uh, right. Like how we treat it might have something to do with whether or not it is in fact a poem. Like if we treat it as a headline, is it then a headline? Mm-hmm. If we treat it as a tweet, is it then a tweet? So, um, so, so what, 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 what I'm, I'm trying, say- what I'm hearing is that anything can be a poem as long as we let the reader know it's supposed to be a poem um it's yeah it's the same problem that befalls art like is this what is, is art it, yeah, yeah if it's if we all contemplate it like if it's a porta potty but then you put it in a museum and we all go around and we contemplate how it's a <laughs> it's a criticism of the status quo or whatever right um then then is it is it art i mean honestly I think it can sincerely be art at that point if we if it was intentionally placed and positioned in which we contemplate it. Um, I know it's it is smirk worthy. Yeah, sure. That's the that's the problem. Is like that definition is so ill defined that it's just not going to satisfy someone who's you know demanding kind of clarity when the the point of poetry is obfuscation through, through clarity. clarity. Yeah. Why <laughs> it's words. clarity? No, it's clarity through obfuscation. Dang it. <laughs> Thing. You messed no. up. You messed up my my one contribution. So so when you when you say listen up and you clear your throat and you you present this 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 these words, you frame it, um, and it has some rhythm and it has some flow and it has some meaning. Maybe nebulous, a little bit bizarre. Um, like it's hard to declare it. Uh, as not a poem um but so that's why it's kind of it's kind of crap i get why people say well is it poetry is it not want want to define it put it in a box and and be able to say it's either in the box or out of the box like it's it's not either it's none of this nonsense then everything i'm saying is going to just sound like nonsense so Uh, i i mean that's my understanding as well um so if if there is no clear delineation of what a poem is is there is is it at least more clear what a good poem is? Um, I 
<laughs> to the individual, absolutely. Where I would say the first reading was was enjoyable to me, and and it, it created you know the imagery in my head, and I was mm-hmm. thinking about snow and uh, and this one. Um, it felt a little political, had political undertones and, and, and grievance and, right. and, I, and it and didn't just, rhyme. And it, well, that actually doesn't matter as much to me, even though I understand that, it, that rhyming creates a rhythm and a, and a, but I've never been one. I mean, I, I appreciate that, but that doesn't make it or break it for me. Um, um that doesn't make it not a, po- a poem or not a poem, but does it, that you're saying that doesn't affect whether it's a good poem or not. There can be not to me equally uh, good poems, in your opinion, that rhyme yes. and don't rhyme. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yes. we, I guess, let's just let's press forward. We have we have plenty of material. Um, okay, but do I get answers for each? Like, yeah, I'll tell that? you. So, what do you think about that one? Was that? Do you think that was written can by you read a professional? It quickly poem? again, could you read it more casually, as if you're not presenting <clears throat> me a poem? Just read the lines. Um, yes. Uh, in her dark, she surveys empty. The vanity from the in-law's Bronx apartment, the brooch from a lover, loafers by a coat tree, trench coat, the husband's profile, an alarm for news and forecast. Here she appraises fidelity before the light violates. I would also say that that's a legitimate poem. Why? If I'm get, um, taking a, a, I think, I think <laughs> another little insight to poetry is. You take simple concepts, familiar, and then like you defamiliarize them with some words. Like the, the word "brooch," I'm not saying it's a complicated one. Um, oh, but it's, you just, just, it's certainly a rare word. Yes, it's it's just used less. Yeah, yeah, it is. And so, it, it, that's not a really good answer. But it takes a familiar moment, and then it introduces maybe even a another familiar feeling that seems a little abstracted, and it ties it all together. So it takes the familiar and then defamiliarizes it for a new sort of meeting or you take something unfamiliar and then you familiarize it that's just a good way to think about how to approach the subject mm-hmm. and i think it just seemed intentional and it had enough and I, I if i had to if i was a betting man i would say yep that's a real that's a quote unquote i mean i'm gonna put quotes on all of them so i'm gonna stop sure. justifying but just say that that's a real poem uh, obviously you will continue to maintain your job as an english teacher regardless of how <laughs> a you little nervous yes i'm a little this. nervous about so that. uh like uh, this these are mild potential gotchas but really it's just an exploration of a topic so Did don't, you be, don't be don't be too nervous this is a professional poem uh, i presume by a poet named kimiko han um so this two is for a, two this is a real a real professional poem um is it a good like poem it. um uh, not in I, your opinion you already kind of said that i guess and not in my opinion but i could legitimately see someone coming to that i, I can res- i respect the poem and i did not like it all right uh, the first one, by the way, was called Good Hours. That was Robert Frost. I forgot to Good say the hours. title. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Uh, okay. Let's, let's press on. Um, okay. <clears throat> this one is called Wooden Teachers. Near the lake, aside the trail, there grow two trees entwined, one a proud, tall, hardwood oak, another softwood pine. At distant glance, they seem as one, their trunks a single bowl, Yet on approach their likeness wanes, two pieces, not a whole. How came these trees to their embrace? What cause fixed them so? What errant zephyr sowed their seeds so near decades ago? Do they battle for light and rain, upward struggling strife? Or is it mutual support, their difference aiding life? Would they prefer to be apart instead among their kin, 
would felling them be gentle mercy or the gravest sin? The answer I fear I'll never know. Their lives will outlast mine. For now, I'll just keep wondering, should I seek oak or pine? Ah, I enjoyed that. Hmm. <laughs> Why did you enjoy that one compared to the others, or compared to the last uh, one? I, suspo- I suppose, I mean, obviously you kind of heightened my attention with an interesting title, Wooden Teachers, that talking about these trees and the nature of them and contemplating the meaning that goes well beyond trees. So, I mean, it has all these elements of, a th- of, of being thoughtful. Um, it, it, I appreciate its clarity, um, rhyme scheme, all that stuff. Uh, I, <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think if I'm just going to go with the, it's real or not real. Like my 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 gut tell I would read that in a printed form and not question for a moment the sincerity or the quality and go, man, this is kind of iffy. Um, there's a part of me that suspects um, th- is just a little bit suspicious of you. There's a little bit of Bennett in this one, um, but I'm going to go with it. It's real. Um, why do you think that there's a little bit of Bennett in this poem? Well, could you read the first of line Of all poems. Again? Uh, uh go ahead. Near, near the lake, aside the trail, there grow two, t- two trees entwined. I happen to know there's a lake. Well, this is silly, but there's a lake outside. I think we write from what we know. You called it wooden teachers. I'm a good friend of yours. I'm a teacher. I know that that isn't about like teachers in that traditional sense. It's that all things can be teachers. But we discuss philosophically what does it mean to teach a lot. And if you had this idea to to give me, and then you were out walking around the trail just thinking of things, this would present itself. Um, and I'll say, if you did write this, very good job. Like very very good poem. Um, but Again, I'm just going to stick to my answer that it's wow. it's a real poem. You're such a sleuth. Yeah, I, I wrote this one. Ah, and, and, I'm proud of myself. I'm yeah, and myself. actually, really good sleuthing there because I mean that's <laughs> it is based on a true story. I mean, I do live by a lake, and there are there are two trees, an oak and a pine, that grow like right next to each other. And I have contemplated these trees before, and so this is a this is legitimate poetry. I'm a I'm a poet. And I didn't even become aware of my own potential. <laughs> I wish I could have gotten on with you there. That would have been good. I would have yeah. said the line. Um, that is a very good poem, Bennett, and I mean that. And I don't think it. I don't think it had. I think. I think it's easy for you to write something that's a little snide, and I don't think that that had that in there. Well, I thought that was a sincere well, poem. I was trying to trick you. I was trying to write a, a good Robert Frost style poem. <laughs> That's what I was doing, so I uh, succeeded, I guess. Well, I even though you were suspicious, you were suspicious I, I enough missed that I don't. It, but not really. I think I qualified just to make it that I was right either way, which is unfair. Um, but I really think I nailed that, to be honest. Yeah, you got it, man. Good job. Good, I, now I'm worried that you're gonna. You're a good English teacher. I just, <laughs> you fooled me. I'm a, <laughs> um, I'm a good uh, English I will say, teacher. You fooled was, me. Huh? huh? What? That's just a funny thing to say. You're a good English teacher. You fooled me. <laughs> nah, I'm just I'm just messing with you. Uh, it was actually quite fun to write. It, uh, trying to fit the syllable count and everything reminded me of when I make fun of, or when I used to make fun of your Facebook statuses and stuff. 
That's actually, okay, so part of, like, whether it's a haiku or whatever arbitrary structure you decide to confine yourself to, like, that sort of uh, exercise is, mm-hmm. I think, just really healthy. And most of it is just, it, it boils down to syllable count um, and, and saying it's arbitrary, but I'm going to, to discipline myself enough to do this. That's a good writing. That's good writing practice, no matter right. what. It's like well, an interesting thing. That I'm going to make a paragraph, and it has to be 333 words. Yeah. Then you have to start rearranging stuff. And good right. things can be born out of that. Well, it tests your vocabulary because many, many, many times you come, you want to say something and it doesn't fit the syllable count. And so you have to think of new words. If you're holding yourself to a rhyme, that restricts the vocabulary even more. And you have to be even more creative with what you pick. And like trying to direct – like I had an idea in my head, but I didn't know where – the poem was going to end up at the beginning because you shouldn't I was, by the way that's good poem writing right, right there i was held i was held to the structure and you know the the structure dictated in part where it ended up um so that was it was an at, interesting at the, experience at the end of this podcast i'd like to hear that one again yeah all right let's uh let's press forward um, okay let's see what's next here okay uh here we are <clears throat> My anger is blue, and with this raucous breath I proclaim, irredeemable hatred must not abate, wherein benevolent violence oft dances wildly. So let not thy upturned boots deny the oppression due to antiquity. Um, I was a little underwhelmed by that one, personally. Um, like, it had this sort of Shakespearean quality, but to me, it felt like a, a smart freshman or sophomore in high school, someone who's experimenting with words, doing doing what they should be doing, right? Like this is a person on their path to writing good poetry who's not there yet because they read some Shakespeare and felt inspired and 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 it had like a, a a teenage vibe to it. I'm nervous about everything I'm saying, but why well, be trying ner- to give Don't you... be nervous. There's no, there's, there's no... obviously no, uh, no risk in being wrong. And I, I, I don't want to like bore listeners by asking you to read it again, but that, so I will just give kind of my impulse. It's short. Feedback. I can, I mean, yeah, do it one it, more time. if it's short, I can read it through for you. Uh, there are yeah. a couple of longer ones I have that I won't bother, but okay. All right. Go ahead. My anger is blue. And with this raucous breath, I proclaim Irredeemable hatred must not abate, wherein benevolent violence oft dances wildly. So let not thy upturned boots deny the oppression due to antiquity. Uh, yeah, there's an angsty quality to it, and my anger is blue. I, I just, I, I'm just gonna stand by my what I said. Not so, not um, professional. Um, yeah. Um, that is correct. I wrote this poem, uh, and my. My attempt was to... Oh, I titled it Pretension. Um, <laughs> well, I guess so. that's what I mean when I'm saying a, a teenager... Write, I mean, I've read a lot of teen poetry, and oh. it ranges from I just had to do this assignment and I don't care, um, to I'm trying to impress the teacher, and I kind of misused the synonym feature on Microsoft Word, <laughs> um, to, yeah, like this understanding that poetry has this, you know, a little bit of... It's a little bit difficult to grasp, and you, you, you certainly, through capturing that pretension, pretension, whatever, pretentious Ness. quality, pretentiousness. Pret- I don't even think pretension is a, I think yeah, pretension, I like, 
pretension is when you are developing high blood pressure. Um, yeah, when you have. It's, so it's, it's not right even before. It's not even tension. a real word as the title, so it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's it's right before you have tension. It's pretension. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, so yeah, I really got just this teenage vibe, and yeah. So dang, um, you're, I'm, but, I'm but you actually, threw me off. I didn't. Go I'm ahead. actually impressed by your uh, analysis abilities so far. Well, I didn't suspect you. I actually suspect you said you were going to get it. You got it from the kid poetry or teen poetry. Teenpoetry.com. Dot org. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just tried to pick like really, really strong buzzwords and to paint a picture of like, I don't know, like just ang- anger and injustice yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Which blah. is so totally teenager feel. Uh, benevolent so. violence. That's a nice poetic yeah. phrase. Yeah. So, uh, good job. Good job. Hmm. All right. You're a little mad that I'm a little mad that you got thing. that one. That's that's my postmodern poetry. Don't, no rhyme. Sentences don't make sense. And you it saw almost right. makes. I mean, it gives a feel for sen- like the making sense, but it doesn't quite. There's a little yeah. bit of awkward phrasing, but it's 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 nice in its own right. Yeah, you saw right through it. All right. <clears throat> next uh, next one. Here we go. So I count my hopes. The bumblebees are making a comeback. One snug, tight, in a purple flower I passed to get to you. Your favorite color is purple, but Prince's was orange, and we both find this hard to believe. Today the park is green. We take grass for granted. The leaves chuckle around us. Behind your head, a butterfly rests on a tree. It's been there our whole conversation. By my old apartment was a butterfly sanctuary where I would read, and two little girls would sit next to me, You caught a butterfly once, but didn't know what to feed it. So you trapped it in a jar and gave it to a girl you liked. I asked if it died. You say, you like to think it lived a long life. Yes, it lived a long life. Thoughts (laughs) on that poem? Um, My thoughts are, it had this sort of stream of conscious quality. So, I'll... I both liked this and did not like this. I my impulse is to say that it is real and that you were attempting to find a, a a real poem that, like when you said apartment, it made me nervous because that sort of I don't know what I want to say, like realism or modern inclusion or just very concrete understandable thing seems a little not deep enough to be in a poem like yeah in my by my apartment like like there's a reason you didn't say walking along the lake outside my apartment it just Mm -hmm. gives there's it 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 brings us to a present it it dates it in a way even using the word apartment feels so modern um Mm -hmm. I think it was real. I think it had the stream of conscious quality. And I think that if I were to read it again, I'd probably, my initial was like, yeah, it was okay. There were parts I liked. There were parts I really didn't. And that if I were to unpack it and read it several times, I might fall in love with that poem. Interesting. Uh, well, I forgot to read you the title. Um, oh, yeah. The title is, I don't know what will kill us first, the race war or what we've done to the earth. Oh, God. Oh. Do you oh. still, still kind of like it? think you might fall in love with that one. This that would have actually been really good to catch on video. I was really just had hands, both my hands on my face, and I just realized how. Um, the poet. Wow, uh, you're you're right. That is a real poem. Um, the poet is uh, Fatima Asgar. Uh, I don't know what will kill us first: the race war or what we've done to the earth. So, what a miserable title. 
It had, look, <laughs> this one struck me, and I could not include it because the title, of course, like I'm sure that many poets would tell me what the title has to do with the poem. But I feel like I'm doing a good job of reading your brain and how you selected yeah, these. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're doing an exceptional job at this. I'm a little bit annoyed by it, but <laughs> no, it's more inter- it's 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 cool that I'm doing. You're right. No, job. you're right. It is also cool. I'm still a little annoyed, but because I wanted to. Get, well, there's plenty left. Um, <laughs> yeah. But look, this poem. It, there are no capital letters uh, in in this poem. And no punctuation, or the, no- there is punctuation, but it's weird. And the the, the paragraphs uh, or stanzas are not like they cut sentences in half and in part. Like it's just it's almost as if they wrote it out in a big long chunk and then just arranged it into lines of three without any consideration of what the words are. Lines. Does of that three. make sense? It does. I can tell and, when you're reading when you're usually on a line or not. Just yeah, the way you're it messes it. me this up. Is be, um, so. What I want to ask you, what, how much of a part of poetry is the visual, like putting the words on the page, oh, arranging not. them, putting punctuation in there, all of that stuff, a capitalization, like how, how much of a part of poetry is that? I should have alluded to this earlier when just kind of broadly defining it. I think it's a huge part of it. The, the thing about poetry and the, the beauty of it is that you can be boldly experimental and you're not confined to the typical constraints of, of how we use punctuation. And in, in fact, you're encouraged to, I mean, in some cheesy ways, you could maybe make the poem each line uh the shape of a Christmas tree, and you write a nice Christmas poem, whatever. Um, you could you do anything you want. Um, the sort of that, that sort of postmodern crap about like what you're <laughs> describing just sounds kind of like the the pretend the why poetry gets a pretentious label. But um, I I love. I think this invites students. You know, people might roll their eyes or kids may roll their eyes if it's like, today we're doing poetry. Like, you're going to get some people are really excited. It's polarizing. Some are super excited. Some are like, oh, my God. Mm. Um, but if you can overcome that sort of pretentious or nebulous feeling that, that you get when you approach poetry, um, I like that it invites people in who are typically intimidated by grammar or the construction and, like, have kind of no idea. Like, they only have some grasp of what a paragraph is. But this mm. says... It doesn't matter what you know or don't know. Like, use your intuition. And actually, I think it could be used to teach grammar effectively in the sense that, like, well, why are you breaking the line here? Do you want a short pause or a new idea? Or do you want a clause or a phrase to stand on its own to really emphasize it? Or do you want to put a dash to, to – like, you get to internally construct a poem based on whatever you, – your own merits or your own decision-making. So, really cool. So, yes, I think that's such a big part, the visual – piece of a poem and how what you do with the lines and that sort of thing so hmm. interesting i don't interesting. know how you're gonna read this to me that i like it sounds like it's a it's it's very visual like what you're talking about is communicating something visually well, that is hard to so uh, for that well for visualize. that poem i found a website that i don't remember, i think it's like poets.org or I don't know, just some basic site that collects tons and tons of poetry mm-hmm. and um it, they're not presented in any fancy, like artistic manner. It's just text on the page, but it does have formatting, meaning white space included. Yeah. yeah. Um, that poem, by the way, was in a category. There are tons of categories and tags, and that one was in the social justice category. Oh, you're um, talking about the previous one you read? I thought you had just given away your current one. No, the one I just uh, read. 
okay, um, about yeah. the bumblebees. <laughs> Yeah. Um, or Prince, or whatever. Um, <laughs> the race war, I guess. Yeah, the race, race war. I did, had yeah, nothing yeah. about race in the yeah, whole poem. Yeah. But uh, one one interesting thing I noticed when I was searching within that category is that um, the number of poems before 2014 was extremely small compared to the number of poems after 2014. I mean, maybe so. the poem, the, the website didn't really take off until then right or is it not that simple uh i i mean that category was anomalous there there were poems from oh, oh a- that ancient category. poems sorry i missed that the social yeah. justice category yeah. on the site gotcha so gotcha. just an in- just an interesting thing i saw that the, that this category really picked up steam in 2014 huh interesting and i I'll- also i also just out of morbid curiosity did a search for poems containing the word trump um, and and only found two. So, hey, not as bad as I thought. Okay, yeah, yeah, good. Um, all right, um, moving forward. <clears throat> this one is called An Austrian Man. It was on the shores of Austria that I became a boy, having first been a man. Should not time proceed forward? But shrapnel, fire, and brimstone the ever-sounding drum of cannons and a forced march into the jaws of death can invoke childlike terror. And, childlike, my tiny fingers fumbled, my musket jammed, my green shadows turned slowly red, an iron monster's gaze swiveled near, and I cried. And lo, my cries were drowned, not by gunpowder and the void, but by the jets of the Swiss. Their army was come to return us to the field and me, my manhood." Ooh, I liked it. Um, I mean, I would just say that's that's a good poem. I liked it. I really, I mean, this this chronology of time, but then saying I went from man to child, and you know, you, it's a reversal of expectations, and then to explain the war, the terrors of war. Um, um, I would say that it's a. I mean it's worthy of being a real poem if it's not. I mean, like, the only reason... The only reason I would say it's not is uh, suspicion, and I'm going to try not to let that... I'm just saying it's a real poem. It felt like a real poem. Hmm. Um, I wrote this poem. Nice! And Ugh. I... Uh, it's, it's, I wrote this poem. This was my trickiest one to try to trick you, and I did. Well, I you, you got you. me. You very much got me. Because Austria is landlocked. It doesn't have any shores. Well, and yeah, I'm not going to catch any of that. I know you're not going to catch that. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's on its face, without analysis, it's a poem about World War II, you would guess, right? That's what I would have guessed, yeah. But well, Austria- then I was like, mus- musket, though? Like, what? Yeah. Is, is they that- didn't have muskets in World War II, and there were no, no jets. No, I wouldn't have and thought the, so. The Swiss, uh, were ne- the Swiss were neutral, and... Austria's so you were just trying and... to be completely outrageous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, well done. <laughs> I mean, I... That's satisfying. It is, yeah, it is satisying. Uh, well, because... The musket this, thing was like, I wanted to point that out, but I honestly didn't far. want to reveal myself to be that ignorant if I was like, <laughs> I would feel, I, I felt, I, this is the stupid, my historical stupidity is, is on full display when I'm like, well, that doesn't make much sense, but I'd rather not mention it because better to remain silent 
you know, than to reveal myself and say, muskets and jets? That doesn't make <laughs> sense. And then go, are you kidding me? If you'd have responded with authority about how dumb that was, I would have been like, oh, okay. So, well, um, what, what I want to know is, is poetry easy or, or what? Because, like, I just kind of picked a thing, picked some, like, visuals and stuff and threw them in. It doesn't rhyme. I just threw them into some lines, and and I managed to have a, a piece that you know that at least you really liked. And you know, with the with if I were to you know fix the historical inaccuracies, might be considered something good. So is poetry just easy or what? Like what's so respectable about poetry? Um, I don't know that because you can do it, it is easy. And I mean you specifically, but uh, well, that's yeah, that's not. That's not like, really what I was trying to say. Like, I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm the poet. Like, I'm not trying to say I'm a right. poet and I'm not even aware of my own potential. I'm not trying to say that. I was just like, really, this poem didn't have any historical accuracy. It, I mean, it was just strong words put together with, with, right. a little, with a little bit of, like you say, the boy becoming man, man becoming boy reversal with a little okay. weird hook. So the weird hook, let, let me be honest, when you read a poem out loud, I think there's just something about, I only have the ability to intake so much, right? And so true, I will get right. fixated on an idea. So if I'm being perfectly honest, that idea consumed my brain. And I, I'm really not justifying. You totally got me with the inaccuracies, and I wasn't searching for them. So I'm not trying sure. to get my way I out. Knew, I, but, I knew with certainty I would get you with those. So, I, But I let those... those. I didn't know Austria was landlocked. I had to look up and make sure. I'd looked for a landlocked country initially. Like, that was the whole point. That helps me. Makes me feel a little better anyway. So, but all yeah. the other inaccuracies were just kind of washing over me as I'm thinking... Damn, that's a cool thought of like how we always right. think about, you know, child becomes man, not man becomes child. And like that novel presentation of fear mm-hmm. um, occupied my headspace as you were reading that poem. So then I was like, that's a quality uh, idea. A quality th- idea. And so I just let the other feelings with you just saying the other stuff. I, I couldn't tell you one other line. I heard the word musket and jets and stuff. But I, that's all I heard was the first idea. Um, and and it's, it's not always the first idea presented, right? Like any poem you're reading, if it present, especially if it's just oral, I'm gonna right. Sure, yeah, you're at a disadvantage not having the words in front. Yeah, of Yeah, but I'm not. Hitting, I'm sure. not justifying or anything. I'm just letting you know. So, um, and and I would say that in order to be a good poem, you need you need at least one of these novel ideas that makes. The maj- I don't want to say majority, but just some number of readers or listeners go. That's a that's a thoughtful presentation of that idea. It made me think in a little bit of a new way. And so you so, did that. So yes, you you accomplished a, a quality poem in that regard. Uh, so that's a that's a really to me that's a really important thing. At least in your definition of what a poem is, it has to have some central idea or some some kind of hook right like something that makes you consider what you're reading a mental stimulator yeah right i would consider it analogous in a novel to the theme of the novel right i mean that's kind of what we're talking about is a grounding idea that everything else is kind of built and constructed around 
Well, let me contrast it, though. It could be an image in a poem. So it, the, a mental stimulator is more accurate than saying a, a meaningful like thought, because that was a meaningful thought. But had you presented okay. a something just filled with imagery that occupied my thoughts for that moment... Right. I mean, uh, I, I guess I, the beauty of poetry is it doesn't have to be narrative. Or it usually isn't a narrative. It's it's just a compelling. Um, could it be? Could it be not a visual or an idea? Could it be a semantic hook? So if if the poem, for example, repeated the same beginning to every sentence, like maybe it was. Um, what if uh, birds could dig? What if? Pigs could read. What right, if like, right. you see what I'm saying? This right, is a right, stupid right. poem. That's not. I'm just. Maybe it is a. What do you think? Is that professional? Um, um, that's actually a nice uh, frame to like when you ke- when you find some of those, which you do. Um, then, then to give that to students and say, write your own poem using this frame device. That's just where my yeah. brain goes. That doesn't really help our discussion. Um, um, no, it doesn't make it professional. I don't think at that point. Well, it doesn't make it professional, but do you think that having that sort of you know, repetition or semantic hook is equivalent to having the idea be a hook or a visual be a hook? Like, is it, is it just as valid? <sighs> yes, but not personally. <laughs> uh, that just doesn't really appeal. It doesn't seem cheap or something. It feels a little bit cheap if if there isn't. Well, I mean, you can think of like Martin Luther King, like I have a dream speech and I have a right. dream that someday and like so it's actually effective both as an orator and as an audience because all the ideas we just discussed when you're hearing something orally, like you can only process so much. But if you have that, first of all, it almost like lubricates your speech. You're able to flow through those parts because of automaticity kicks in and I can clearly go back to that phrase and then it propels me forward so I can have a convincing and commanding speech and that repetition primes the audience and we're ready for more so there's a lot of good things that go on with that but that is that is structure and nothing else like that structure needs to have some quality to it because I think the I have a dream that is actually a stru- both structurally sound and a, a sort of a novel idea, or at least a, a good presentation um, right. of, of the of the entirety of the point, right? Sure. So right. Um, that's a good case for why it's an amazing and famous speech. Right. So, yes, you're on your way when you have that structural component, but that structure has to have quality as well. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you can't simply say say things that are blue and paint a visual of blue My, i have a blue house um i have a blue corvette i have <laughs> um oh. blue da, blue, yeah. da, blue da. i was trying to think of all the other blue <laughs> things yeah i don't um, know, but, but just saying blue blue things doesn't make it enough of a poem i mean as we said anything can be a poem but if you don't have good content as well then it's it kind of falls flat right. that's what you're saying uh, to me, yeah. Well, to yes, you. yes. Obviously, to you. All right. Um, okay. Moving, moving forward. <clears throat> this one is called failure. Failure is an emotional arc, a cousin of deception. Breastfeeding requires that I swallow the remnants of dreams and in- insufficient programs, half upgraded and all failure. Best intentions leads to hell. Um, 
<laughs> this reminds me of something I wrote. <laughs> uh, and I think, I think you, you could, you, <laughs> I'm trying to remember exactly what I have, but something is something's emotionally stunted cousin. And, uh, no, I know that's what you've done here. So at least I identified that and I did not like your, your rendition of it. And before I even put it together, I did not like it. And I was like, this is crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh that's really funny that is funny can you read do you have my piece um, oh yes i do man god you're really on it you're on this stuff man god you're a good teacher all right well like, i wrote no, it of course i should there's no it. getting around it it was a couple of uh, years so, ago so by the way that that is your poem translated from english to serbian to portuguese to icelandic and back to english again <laughs> okay because it was close enough okay go ahead um, your your piece. original is failure is disappointment's emotionally stunted cousin. Disappointment demands I drift through the debris of dreams and unrealized plans, half actualizations and whole miscues, best intentions and pathways to hell. God, I'm so pretentious. God, okay. That's a poem. Read, can you? That's read? a poem, though. It's a micro poem, and I like I liked it at the time, and I, I stand by some of the phrases. I mean, I was being a little experimental with words, well, and I just uh, how made how it long ago things. was this? I I didn't write that down. I mean, this I, was I don't know, like five or six years ago. Is it that this long was a ago? while back. Yeah, it was a while yeah. back. I would say three, four, five years ago. Um, I'm not embarrassed by it. I just um, I don't I don't think it's embarrassing. Like I, it's a it's an idea. There's some meat to it. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't pick it out to to make fun of it or your micro poetry. Um, I picked it out because <laughs> it had a very funny translation. So because could you read that one somehow? Time? Yeah, failure is an emotional arc, a cousin of deception. Breastfeeding requires that I swallow the remnants of dreams and insufficient programs. At that point, half, I was like, what is this? <laughs> half upgraded and all failure. Best intentions leads to hell. I can't Bre- believe that the word breastfeeding came out of this. Out of what exactly? What was that line? Out of if you were- disappointment demands I drift through the debris of dreams and unrealized plans. See, Breastfeeding like- requires that I swallow the remnants of dreams and insufficient programs. That's not good. Like, Where does I, and I was- breastfeeding come out of that? I was playing with alliteration as disappointment demands I what is it drift through the debris of dreams i like the drifting yeah, that's of the good. debris of yeah, dreams yeah that's good alliteration that. is so, really nice and so i was just playing with that but the breastfeeding disappointment so which, gets to breastfeeding like somehow or, like i don't understand that well i mean i tried to pick strange and different languages um for this uh path of translation i i just love that it came out with the word breastfeeding oh, and swallow. So, so Breast, breastfeeding and swallow both made it into the same phrase, which is why I was like, well, I have to use this. <laughs> I also happened to, uh, that's actually when the, the poem went off the rails and I had not suspected, I don't know when I suspected that was my poem or whatever, like bastardized somehow, but that 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 moment with the breastfeeding is when I like started to go, oh, this is bad. So at least <laughs> at least when it got to bad was not from me, you know. <laughs> I want to go All back right. to your uh, war poem for a second. You said if you yeah. fixed it, I actually think you should not fix it. Leave in all the um, what's it called anachronisms and and yeah, yeah. it it's both funny and 
serious. I mean, one of the like hmm. obviously the seriousness suffers uh, when you make a legitimately heartfelt point about the the terror of war. So you're not trying to say, like poke fun at war, but there's something whimsical and, and light, and then there's something really heavy about it. And the juxtaposition of those two things is just kind of fun. So I think you should just throw it out there and see how many people get mad or ha- or like it th- throw it out there i mean, pu- <laughs> I mean publish it to poetry.org or whatever oh. <laughs> you know yeah, become maybe. a poet become a poet that's what i mean yeah, maybe i will maybe i will post it to your your facebook wall <laughs> maybe i'll make some cool poetry art yeah well, that, good luck finding a site they all changed i used to play around with those word art oh. type sites but now they put their stamp on it or charge you or Bastards. just don't exist anymore yeah that's terrible it's terrible <clears throat> All right, I have uh, I have another composition for you. Let's do it. Beautiful whale. Oh, God, I can't read. Beautiful railway bridge of the silvery Tay. Alas, I am very sorry to say that ninety lives have been taken away on the last Sabbath day of eighteen seventy nine, which will be remembered for a very long time. Oh, ill-fated bridge of the silvery Tay! I now must conclude my lay. By telling the world fearlessly, without the least dismay, that your central girders would not have given way, at least many sensible men do say, had they been supported on each side with buttresses, at least many sensible men confesses, for the stronger we our houses do build, the less chance we have of being killed. So obviously this is some sort of ode to a collapse of a bridge in, what did you say, 1879? That is um, correct. What's the title of this poem? The Tay Bridge Disaster. Um, it feels very real, and it actually feels... I did not like it. Um, not to say... I mean, the subject matter actually sounds like it is... You know, it's a tragedy, and this is an ode to remember these people, I suppose, but, but it, it did not feel... It, it wasn't particularly heartfelt. Um, and in fact, it just felt almost... There, I didn't feel depth to that, and there was you did. There's there's the factual component of the bridge collapsing, but what moment did you present me or anyone that was novel or sincere or heartfelt or whatever? I mean, it was just like this bridge collapsed, and we'll remember it. And that's you know, if only the buttresses had been stronger. Like I felt nothing through this and you and you know when it comes to a tragedy you should be primed to like it's almost like it's going to a tug on your emotional heartstrings it's going to at least make some attempt to humanize uh this disaster and i just didn't even attempt so it was very i just didn't like it so i'm gonna say (laughs) it was real but i did not like it um you have the majority opinion then um that is by a poet called William McGonagall, who is widely considered to be the worst poet ever. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> uh, and I will also say that that's an excerpt from the poem, The Taybridge Disaster. Uh, so, some, because I didn't want, it was Pretty much long. longer than okay. that. Uh, but still, it's almost but, offensively not heartfelt. <laughs> it's very dry. <laughs> it's very dry. And I love the, well, the horrible rhyming. Uh, like, yeah, there was a part so about when confesses people, and buttresses or something, or like what? Yes. What was that? Did you just well, rhyme? Ugh. Well, like so when I feel like rhyming in poetry has the same split among. I don't know where I'm getting this from, but see if you think this sounds accurate. 
has the same divisiveness when it comes to the audience that puns do for humor. So some people think that puns are just cringeworthy and awful. Some people think they're clever. Some people think rhyming poems are just base and just so corny and tacky. Mm -hmm. And some people think that they're, you know, they require skill and so on. I would agree Um, with that. And and this is a very strong argument in favor of the people who say that rhyming is tacky because the like it's it's almost like it was like, oh, lots of words end in A, so I'll just make a poem where pretty much everything ends in A, but then when I can't think of one, I'll just rhyme eighteen seventy nine and a very long time or buttresses Ugh. with confesses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It it was it was gross. <laughs> so th- this guy is he's actually really interesting. Um, he he was a professional poet. This is what he did, um, was write poetry. And he covered lots of disasters. He, he wrote primarily about disasters and, and newsworthy items. Uh, and he was kind of lampooned, but also loved. And like, it's almost like the B-movies of poetry back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is William McGonagall. Uh, um, I have an, another poem well, of his. When uh, he, you said he was loved, do you mean like sarcastically? Or some people genuinely liked his stuff, or it's hard to even well, define? It, in the same way that we love B-movies, people loved William McGonagall and his poems. But this seems like, disrespectful. They would be printed... Like a, I'm going to guess that that the, bridge really collapsed. It really is a it tragedy. Really, it, so. it really did collapse, and 90 people or some tens of people really did die and like this was a historical poem written by this guy recounting the tragedy of the bridge and he wrote like three poems about this, this he he lived in the area where this bridge was he before it cr- crashed he wrote a poem about how beautiful the bridge was there's another poem about a whale that swam around in the bay and then the bridge collapsed and he wrote about the collapse and then they rebuilt it and he wrote about the rebuilt bridge <laughs> Do you- he had a poem for every occasion oh man do you think if like there was a be or a, a really um, terrible documentary on say like Columbine or you he know and it was just write a la- poem about it laughably bad documentary would we would we enjoy that or would we find it you know because this is a sensitive subject in which it's not it's not a laughing matter and then it would feel a little more uncomfortable to laugh at the ineptness as he's you know characterizing the people in the film. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this sounds like what he's well, doing is he's a documentarian slash bad poet. And that's weird <laughs> over tragedies. It is, so it is weird. And certainly I think it's much easier for you and I to laugh at him now. Right. It's safe uh, to laugh about a tragedy of a bridge, you know, hundred in 1879. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, but if, if it were someone today writing about, the Parkland shooting or something, then that would be a little bit more difficult to laugh at. The disgust factor would be much, much higher. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so uh, I, I actually I have another poem of his that's significantly longer. Um, if you want to hear another example of his bad poetry, I do. Uh, uh, I can read it. Maybe uh, not I might the whole not re- thing. I might not yeah. read the whole thing. Yeah. I'll stop you but, when my tolerance is. <clears throat> this one is called uh, The Sorrows of the Blind. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Pity the sorrows of the poor blind. For they can but little comfort find as they walk along the street. They know not where to put their feet. They're they're deprived of that earthly joy of seeing either man, woman, or boy. Sad and lonely through the world they go, not knowing a friend from a foe, nor the difference betwixt day and night for the want of their eyesight. 
The blind mother cannot see her darling boy, that was once her soul's joy. By day and night, since she lost her precious sight, to her the world seems dark and drear, and she can find no comfort here. She once found pleasure in reading books, but now pale and careworn are her looks. She, uh-huh. Since she has lost her eyesight, everything seems wrong and nothing right. The, okay, the that's face, enough, I think. That's, <laughs> I, I love it. Look, like, I love it, how bad it is. It's... It, why is it so bad? Well, I think that's what I was going to say. What I said earlier, I'm glad we defined it. Kind of, this kind of unfolded beautifully because I was saying there has to be an idea or an image that is presented in a novel way that ma- that makes the, the audience for a moment like think in a different way. But the, the the overly simplified examination of like, okay, going blind is a perfectly valid topic to write about, but the presentation of it has the like the intellectual rigor of like a third grader. Like it's it really, it's just like, if you're blind, you can't see, you don't know where to pee. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> right. It's that's like... so good. Wow. That's excellent poetry. You can't pee when you're blind. Not as effectively as you can when you can see. Wow. <laughs> oh, I just, I, I, so, so yeah, no presentation of new. So the rhyme scheme is simple, but it isn't the simplicity of the rhyming. It, you just need it, something that is thoughtful, and there's just no well, thought. To I think it. another thing that makes it really cringeworthy is that some of the sentences or some of the lines are really reaching, and it's obviously that the the only reason they're there is because it fits the rhyme, not because mm-hmm. it contributes anything to what he's saying, like. Since she has lost her eyesight, everything seems wrong and nothing right. Like, <laughs> this is a very contrived and squashed-in line. Uh-huh. It actually feels like, you know, a student of mine forced yeah. to, to just hit, you know, X amount of rhymes. So. Yes, it sounds super amateur. It's weird that you can pick that out, but, but that's, that's the way it is with old William, Willie McGonagall. Willie McGonagall. Yeah. All right, uh, I have another for you. Good. <clears throat> this one is called Un Promenade. Mm. Sore feet, oh so dirty. Why do we do this, me so thirsty? <laughs> it is all but a life's dream to have the means to suffer. But in the end, it is still undoubtedly worth it. I think I'll go take me another walk, that is. I'm going to ask you to read that one again. <clears throat> Sore feet, oh so dirty. Why do we do this? Me so thirsty. It is all but a life's dream to have the means to suffer. But in the end, it is still undoubtedly worth it. I think I'll go take me another. Walk, that is. Ugh. Okay. I don't know why I'm going to say that this is a real poem, although it meets none of the... It, it, it hits every point. There's no substance. It's not revealing a, a new idea. It's bereft of, of content that I... But yet something in my gut tells me that this is an actual poem, and I, I'm going to have trouble articulating why that is, but I stand by it. Well, it has the rhyme scheme. Dirty, thirsty, yeah. suffer another... Sure. Um, um, promenade. Um, well, it, it's one of those that that only makes sense when you study the historical context because I it, 
if there is if this is a real poem with historical context um and is if it is real is made famous primarily by the name and the context like the name of the author who's experiencing this that and the other that is significant in some way and so mm-hmm. all of that would lead to you have to really dig for the meaning and then present that in a, in a different light and then it has some meaning um so I, I don't think it's good. I did not enjoy it at all, and I think it's a real poem. Well, you will enjoy it when I tell you that it's by our friend David. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no. Is it really? It's written by David from France. Uh, Un promenade is French for a walk, and it's a poem about taking a walk. Wait, so wait, this is a real poem. Wait, you're confusing me. It is a real poem by our friend David. I mean, it's a poem that he wrote. It's not professional. Yes, our friend David, the one that we both yes. know and love, wrote uh, this poem. Um, <laughs> David wrote this poem. That's right. Uh, he crafted it just for us. Um, okay, well, you heard all my opinions of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think it's wonderful. I, I especially like time, I especially like the line <clears throat> "me so thirsty." Yeah, that's what was throwing like "me so thirsty." There was another sort of noun. Read it one more time for me, please. <clears throat> Sore feet, oh so dirty. That's very appropriate. Why do we do this? Me so thirsty. It is all but a life's dream to have the means to suffer, but in the end, it is still undoubtedly worth it. I think I'll go take me another walk, that is. <laughs> I'm so mad at myself for not just <laughs> just saying that's not real, obviously. Because, I mean, I, I, I mean it when I say, like, this did not hit any of the... It just felt like Look, you dug for something the, that... It, uh. it has a deep idea. Like, uh, the the joy of taking a walk despite being having sore feet and being thirsty and just the the impediments of nature and and yet it's still worth it even though we suffer it's still worth it and and not only that but he'll go take another walk i actually thought of it as someone was captive uh you know they were a prisoner of war or something but also allowed some like a simple freedom and that was hugely important i, I swear that's what i was thinking and that's why i was like <laughs> okay if you dug deep you and you realize the context and some famous person scribbled a few bits about the the importance of being able to take a walk despite all the mistreatment, despite all the things in their life that were miserable, the simple walk kind of gave, uh, you know, gave him, gave him hope. And so, um, <laughs> all so right. maybe, maybe well, I'm sensing something about David. He feels like a prisoner on some deeper level. I don't know why I think prisoner, <laughs> but I swear that's I, what I was thinking. I, I read it. I read it and thought that it was very appropriate for David. I mean, he does like to explore and go on walks and, uh, and man, I was very, very, very pleased when he sent me this. Did you? So you reached out to him to say this is what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I, so. I asked him to write a poem for me. <laughs> I'm thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, uh, I have, uh, I have another. Okay, I have another. Here we are. <clears throat> oh, I tell you that you can see it in the morning. What makes us proud that shadows are always shining. There are big lines and bright stars between a dangerous battle. Are the walls we see walking so quiet? And a red rocket eruption exploded. 
Please make sure our flag is still there at night. Oh, the star key band is still changing. The country of freedom and the home of the country. <laughs> well, okay, first of all, I was going to say that I can feel... Uh, if you've noticed, I was really on my game, and then I'm really off... Not, I didn't say off my game, but there seems to be a poetry fatigue when you're exposed to lots of things. It just all starts to become muddled. But this was clearly the Star Spangled Banner... Um, run through something similar to what you did to my poem um but pretty funny um and i and i wonder like i just wonder i'm glad i caught that um <laughs> uh, uh that was good that you're wrong um wait what this is a legitimate real poem wait. by uh shakespeare really no okay. you're right <laughs> I'm so no, you're ex- Yeah, you're exactly right. No, this was uh, the Star Spangled Banner, the the first um, bit of it, translated from English to Japanese to Turkish to Norwegian to Zulu and then back to English. What program are you using to do that? Is there some sort of just Google, Google Translate, translate. I just, fun thing? Fun... I just did yeah. it a bunch of times. Oh, okay. I've heard something that'll do like do it through like a hundred languages. So yeah, I tried to find that, but on a brief search I couldn't. And, and so I just, I just ran it, it through languages until it sounded somewhat poetic. Different enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like that, that one was pretty, pretty obvious, but, but it changed it somewhat. It, it did. sounded well, poetic. It, well, when you started reading and I had not identified it as a star spangled banner, oh, yeah. I, I was thinking the whole fatigue thought of like, this is getting more difficult. And I don't think it's because like, I'm all of a sudden less adept. I think it is this sort of fatigue phenomenon where like, if you wrestle with poetry long enough or you hear just some poems and some not poems, it all starts to blend together. I really think that's happening. So. Well, you're you're in luck. We have nothing but uh, but really excellent poetry left. Okay, great. Let's um, do it. All right. Here's one. <clears throat> this one is called Lasagna. <laughs> Layer and layers of pasta on the bottom baking dish. Next is the ground beef. Then a layer of pasta. The layer of cheese, another layer of beef, followed by another layer of pasta. Then comes the cheese, next green peppers, then pepperoni, served with garlic bread. Mm-mm-mm. Give me a break, man. You're wasting my time here. Like, this is this is you reading and in, in the finished product of an instruction or like you know cooking instructions that you've spaced out to sound like uh, right I, I have to be right if this is a poem i reject if you tell me this is a real poem then like no no like poetry.org or whatever is not an okay source for you to declare that that was not a real poem like i i am with authority saying that's not a real poem regardless of your answer that wasn't that was the end. So after you, you know, you've got your ingredients on like a website, and you scroll down, and it says first, you know, gives what you just read, and then you just spaced <laughs> it out. Yes. Um, this uh, is a poem by Darlene de Beaulieu. No, um, it's not. <laughs> I can tell uh, you. It that. is. It is from a poetry forum. So this is an amateur poet. Uh, yeah, not, uh, not a professional poet. But, but the thing, the problem with it is. But it was published well, as a poem on a pub- on a poetry forum. Yeah, well, um, the, still, no. The answer is emphatically it's not a poem or of any quality. I mean, like, in the sense that you, you now you're, you were 
I think you would agree with me. Like, I'm a little this frustrated. This is poetry. No, it's, I mean, it's not. Based it's, on your definition that we started out with, this is poetry. Sure. Well, like, and, and, and like, but here's the thing. Like, even studying, say, a, you know, what did I say? Like, an, an outhouse. Not an outhouse. Uh, uh, a porta potty. porta potty. Like, like, might... A neo in, 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 a, in a unique context, provide some insights about our culture where you start thinking, "Wow, we we have this portable," you know, and you could start thinking. But if you're just re, dis, very descriptive, you know, like explanation of what a lasagna is, there's no metaphor <laughs> for layers of life. There's no, <laughs> there's nothing in there. It is is baseline and just. It's it's tr- no, it's not a poem, man. Like it, <laughs> it's not a poem worth reading out loud ever again. Um, so so sure, we can call it a poem by these loose definitions. I guess this is why I'm frustrated because I buy into the fact that we have in order to create a space for you know unique and interesting poems. I have to accept that these loosey goosey definitions are going to yield things like the, what you just read and declaring it poetry and kind of poking fun like you, it's easy to get poked fun at if, if we're going <laughs> to say that that's a freaking poem like it's it's, <laughs> it's not it's not a, or uh-huh. it's not a worthwhile poem it's so not mm-hmm. worthwhile that like uh we, there needs to be there need to be guardians poetry police and, yes and i'm going to be a poetry police person <laughs> Right now, and, and I love I love that I made I essentially made you sound like me. Um, yeah, well, that's what you, you took me from being loosey goosey to nope, nope. We got to draw the line somewhere, even though that <laughs> we fits draw it at lasagna, and we draw it at lasagna. It was I, called I love, lasagna. It's called lasagna. <laughs> I mean, and then it was just like here's a layer, here's a layer, here's a layer, and it's like n- uh, no. <laughs> maybe my favorite thing about this is that I thought I want a nonsense poem, and I googled lasagna poem and this is what turned up for me so it's very appropriate like google is on it (laughs) yeah well there's again there's nothing to discuss it's like yes that is lasagna i mean it it would just be like hamburger you know bun patty cheese (laughs) lettuce Mm -mm, good take a bite like it's not like sure I, i guess it is i'll still even let it in but it's not worth considering looking at praising critiquing it's not worth the 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 page it's published on, you know. So. <laughs> oh man, what a scathing critique of lasagna! Sorry, Darlene. <laughs> Darlene. Okay, I won't. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, here we go. <clears throat> Let's try this one. This is a short one. This one is called. Uh, actually, I'll tell you the title after I read the poem. <clears throat> so often I go up to people, throw wide my embrace, open myself up only to find they take me down a few levels and all too soon leave me empty. Uh, and that one's called Elevator. Oh. I like that because it's from the perspective of an elevator. Uh, that's clever. I like it. Uh, I like it a lot. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, I'm more comfortable telling you whether I think something has quality or not than I am whether it is technically a real poem or not, but I'm going to say real poem. I could see uh, you writing it too. Uh, yeah, I wrote that one. Good, man. That's a good poem, and that's so much better than lasagna. Um, <laughs> I should have just strategically placed all of mine after lasagna. Yeah, well, then it screws poems. with me, because that that was good. I Because I think 
there, you know, how how often kindness is mistaken for, for weakness. And, you know, so there's the human element when you're not calling it elevator. Like, it, it provides that, I call it a nugget of wisdom or, or something worth contemplating. Um, it has that element to it. And then you call it elevator and you throw in kind of a... a is that a it's pun? a it's uh, a double yeah. entendre, a double entendre without, as opposed to lasagna, which was a, just a single entendre, <laughs> just entendre. <laughs> you don't <laughs> a single lasagna. Uh, no, I like that. What you wrote? Could you read it one more time? <clears throat> so often I go up to people, throw wide my embrace, open myself up, only to find they take me down a few levels, and all too soon leave me empty. I like that elevator because that's what an elevator I know, does it's exactly what an elevator does and there's the human application all right um minute that was good i liked that one <laughs> thank you i'm a poet uh all right <clears throat> this one is called a box <clears throat> out of kindness comes redness and out of rudeness comes rapid same question out of an eye comes research out of selection comes painful cattle. So then the order is that a white way of being round is something suggesting a pen, and it is disappointing. It is not. It is so rudimentary to be analyzed and see a fine substance, strangely. It is so earnest to have a green point, not to red, but to point again. What? It, I don't know if, if I got lost initially and could not get back on the train of thought. I'm going to ask you to read it one more time if you don't mind, because I got I, I got derailed and could not get back on. I'm going to see if it was my fault or if the poem is truly nonsense. <clears throat> out of kindness comes redness, and out of rudeness comes rapid same question. Out of an eye comes research. Out of selection comes painful cattle. So then the order is that a white way of being round is something suggesting a pin, and it is disappointing. It is not, it is so rudimentary to be analyzed and see a fine substance strangely. It is so earnest to have a green point, not to end, not to red, but to point again. Man, this sounds like nonsense by like a poem generator where you like chose the word pen and it sort of like talked about the point. And I, I have no idea whether either I just don't have the... I just have no idea what it was saying. No idea. Could not follow it the second time any better at all. I don't even feel like the sentences structurally completed thoughts, which is okay. You can actually have like fragments as long as they're giving impressions. But I didn't get impressions. I couldn't visualize anything. I felt so ostracized by this thing you read to me. That it's called it has, a box. It's called a box. That doesn't – the point – I, I, I did not do it for him. I don't know what that was, and I didn't enjoy it. And I feel a little. I, I feel even more fatigued after being t- like that. That's kind of what like the teaching. It, it, let's let's say for a moment that's poetry, and I present it to a class. It's no wonder the kids that go ugh like they might be having that experience. This is a, this is what I'm experiencing is what I think the people who do not like poetry experience. Even with good poetry. Even with good poetry. And so I have to, this is like a learning experience where I go, okay, well, if that's what they're experiencing, I mean, no wonder they hate poetry because it's just, (laughs) it it agitates you, like at your core. It feels like it's it's poking fun at your intellect while 
revealing, you know, something grand to other people that you don't have access to, and it's just annoying. And I don't get it. I did not get that. What what was that, Bennett? Because I don't, I don't, I would say it's not a poem. That is a a poem by a professional poet, my favorite poet, Gertrude Stein. Oh God, Gertrude Stein, tender buttons or whatever. Yes. I love oh, Gertrude man. Stein. I love that nonsense. Gertrude Stein, Gertrude Stein. I, I, I mean, I internalized in the, the the background to Gertrude Stein. I'm not going to give her historical background, but um, <laughs> studying her in college, I came across was it Tinder Buttons? I think that's what yeah, it was Tinder called. Buttons. That's what it's called. And yeah. she was like, it was, it was nonsense. I mean, you could say it was experimenting with words that do give sort of impressions that. It wasn't, rough, I don't believe it was made up words. It's like, I want to, can we just, can we read some of the, like, I remember calling you in hysterics, like reading yes. and going, this is real. Do you have, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna yeah, to, I have, yeah, I have a handful. This is what I was going to round out the topic with because I find her poetry so absurd and nonsensical and it's professional poetry and that's what she did. Like, I just think that this this is like this this counters poetry well let me let me be clear too she she was like hot stuff when she was you know she was born in 1874 and lived to 1946 and she uh this is what i remember too she hosted a salon in paris where leading figures of modernism and literature and art such as pablo picasso ernest hemingway f scott fitzgerald um ezra pound like all these big names came through um and and mingled with her and so she just wrote these i don't even know what you want to call it but uh she wrote these poems that god take so me off for okay. for the remainder we're going to test whether you can detect gertrude stein okay how, how about that that ought to be fair enough I, yeah all right um <clears throat> let's see you have to say stein stein or not stein okay a charm. Oh, this is called, uh, and this is called nothing elegant. Okay. A charm, a single charm, is doubtful. If the red is rose, and there is a gate surrounding it, if inside is let in, and there places change, then certainly something is upright. It is earnest. Stein. That is correct. I I have no. Uh pride in getting that right <laughs> i don't i don't know i feel lost you but like giving the impression of someone fe- like making me feel lost is just so easy to do i could not tell you why i mean it, it would be easy to imitate stein and maybe a fun yeah. little exercise for my students i mean i need to consider that that would to, be a fun well i think it would be fun it might like, be regressive though if i say this is poetry and like you know you're right yeah it so. might well Try this one on for size. Uh, This one is called Toolbox. Does crosshatched beget impervious? How how storing stores ask, is it enough, but even questioning is theft? Sitting on a seat, sitting on a bed, sitting on Saturday, I read, a stanza, a wrench, a void, alone, I am traded and betrayed and no more. It was misbegotten chrome. I mean, seems Steinian, but the reason I'm going to say not Stein is because there was a there was a line in there, but I said and I read, and it and it just started to have a just an 
inkling of flow, so I think by accident, but Stein being an expert would have said, nope, that's a little too much uh, flow for me, and would have gone in and corrected that upon, you know, can you imagine editing for her? And like, you know, oh like, did, did, did I don't I think I... anyone did. I don't think anyone did. Um, so I'm going to say not Stein, just because of that inkling, and I have no other thing to base anything on. I feel so bewildered offering my critiques here, so no, not uh, Stein. Uh, I wrote that Stein-like poem. That was actually uh, that was a poem uh, about you writing poems on your toolbox. <laughs> I wish I had known that. I almost want to hear that again. Oh man, but I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, I'll, let's do like uh, maybe t- maybe two more. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Detained on the created heaven in your eyes was a form and white and artisans on the face of the need instead of moving on the face of the wires. Stein. Uh, no. That is the first verse of the Bible as uh, understood by Microsoft's voice dictation program. <laughs> That's a good way to do a Steinian poem. Just, yeah. just a poor... Honestly, that sounds, that sounds like a Stein poem, and it's actually just me reading the first uh, couple lines of the Bible to my computer. Uh, I like that. That's a fun way to do something like that. I, I actually I did that with a lot of stuff to try to get some good crap poetry, and my computer is insane. Uh, <laughs> like, the stuff it hears is just... Ridiculous. Let me read you. Uh, that that that'll about. That's like a, a that fun about segment. You read. You read. You read this, and this is what came out as like a fun idea for future. Like, I don't know. Yeah. We can turn well, that into a game. All right. Out. So I, I'm going to read you a couple of these. Um, we're, you did excellent on the poetry guessing. Um, by the way, thank you. Uh, thank you. I, Stein. As much as I love Gertrude Stein's poems, and reading them actually makes me laugh out loud because they're nonsense. I don't think they play well. Read, for me reading them out loud because it is just nonsense and you just get so tired by yeah, the fifth it's word. it's exhausting and I'm like, okay, I get it. It's nonsense. Like you're not get giving it, me nonsense. new, right. you know, nothing but, interesting. But when you're looking at it, when you're looking at it on the page and seeing that you're on a poetry website and this is by a poet and you're reading gibberish, like you can, you're, every subsequent word makes you not believe that, that what you're doing is real. Uh, and so Gertrude Stein cracks me up. I, I have like... I remember when we when we discovered her, or at least when you told me about her, um, I wrote you know three or four Stein poems uh, and sent them to you, just being silly. Right, uh, and it made me and, laugh. Oh man, yeah, I, I have I found them. They're like from that's a that was from like two thousand and two thousand and. When was it? It was like 2007 or something. Like it's a long, long time but, ago. But the reason I think it tickles you and annoys me is because I, you know, you already come or you did come at poetry with a little more of a derisive attitude or a little more of like this is a little bit silly, and so it well, does it does nothing in favor of me trying to say this is a holy craft that we need. You know, it is so <laughs> regressive in that term. Like it is so wildly, and, I, and and she's trying to say like screw structure, see, let's push the boundaries, and okay, yeah. point taken, but. But ugh, like. But do better. But but do better. Yeah, make me well, feel yeah. something. Right. So yeah. Uh, I you. So I actually don't dislike poetry. I do dislike how pretentious it often is, and I really dislike this nonsense structure breaking stuff. But I really appreciate a good rhyme. I'm definitely the category of people who enjoy when someone can pick a a a difficult structure 
and make it rhyme and convey something that presents an idea or an image. Like yeah. I, I can appreciate the skill involved in that. Um, and so I, I can appreciate that. I, you know, certain themes are not going to play well with me, but but from simply a a, a writing skill standpoint, I, I think it's it's interesting. Well, I had one thought that I wanted to um, run by you w- with regards to rhyming because mm-hmm. I do I really do feel like the should it rhyme should it not rhyme like these are two sides of a civil war in 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 all of poetry um <laughs> if there is a war that would be it if there is a war then that's it and uh, what do you think about this theory so way 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 back in the day um all of our writing was prose uh and even our beautiful writing was prose um and then Want some artistic. I'm going to accept that claim is true. I don't know it to be. But... I don't know it's true either. This is just me speculating. But like, obviously, all writing. I mean, we had we've had music for a long time, but but the the popular and published uh, writing was you know prose, uh, and then but the artistic people who wanted to push the boundary and be creative deci- decided I'm going to break the mold and I'm not going to bind myself to just. Flowery language and sentences and descriptions, and I'm going to work in a different structure, and I'm going to control rhyme and meter, and I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it weird. You know, I'm going to break the mold here, mm-hmm. and and that that was poetry, and that's why it became popular because it was essentially thumbing the nose at prose. And <laughs> uh, oh man, listen to me, <laughs> spontaneous poet. Um, and, and so that's how poetry came to be. And then, and now when you look at modern poetry, when I was looking at, at, um, poetry.org or whatever the heck it was and looking at poetry from, from, you know, this decade, very little of it rhymed. And, and it just struck me that like this, to me, when I read a lot of this stuff, it just seems like someone is saying a thing and, and they decided to write it down and put a title on it and call it poetry. And it's almost like they're thumbing their nose at poetry and saying, you know what, I'm not going to be bound by your rules of rhyming and meter. I'm just going to write what I want and call it poetry. Do you think there'll be an ebb and flow in, in terms of if poetry is somehow countercultural the way you described it? It's like, oh, this is the way things are being done. I'm going to resist and produce something of my own accord. And then once that becomes a solidified or norm state, then then... If you're, if, if you're all about thumbing the nose, then it's just going to kind of go back and forth. I mean, in the same yeah, way, right. I think that conservative liberal dynamic of like, right. you you know, you're starting to see a new surge in like young kids and conservatism because liberalism is becoming that sort of norm and the counterculture is then conservatism. And then, right. and then you know, and you, by the and time you they even have up, different phases of, you know, abstract art and realistic art and... Even and I imagine that there's probably a similar pendulum swing in movies and their themes and direction and stuff like that. But I just think that, I mean, creative people are always trying to separate themselves from the norm and from the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And I don't know when I saw so many modern poems that just didn't rhyme and didn't have any care for, for the sound and the rhythm of what they were. It just struck me, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's really what's going on on a broader level. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, trends are just going to emerge. So if you if you fall in love with poetry and you tend to read the poets of the day, you're going to be influenced by poets of the day. It's the same with music or movies. Everyone's pulling from the collective bucket, the, the chamber you exist within. So you're inspired by what's 
currently being crafted around you and then you use that as inspiration you fall in love with whatever and i mean when you're a kid you're exposed to you know i don't know like filmmakers were exposed by spielberg and whoever the big names are um and then they you're you're just bound to reflect that in your movie making later on so the same would be true for for poets, so if, if no one's rhyming and you were influenced by non-rhymers, then you might tend to write non-rhyming until you go, "I want to carve out my own niche and be that rhymer," um, <laughs> and you know, or or you start to really dig deeply into poetry and read everyone's stuff and then fall in love with someone who, you know, who rhymes. <laughs> it sounds so simple to say <laughs> rhymers and non-rhymers, and that's the dichotomy of poetry. Um, but that is, but uh, yeah, I think, I think poetry is reactionary or just almost everything's reactionary it's like oh i like this fashion and these designers influenced me and now i'm going to design and it's going to have a it's going to have that take and then maybe i you know once you express yourself even more you want to find your own declaration so you look ironically you look not within yourself but you look at like well what's not being done right now so (laughs) um, opportunistic poetry (laughs) um so uh, that's I, I want to read you one of my computer uh, dictation poems. Yes, I'm not going to tell you the title. I'm going to see if you can first figure out what it is, and then I also want, just want you to hear how insane my computer is. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Somebody once told me the world is Carol Rainey. I am the shortest school. <laughs> I've already show. got it. <laughs> we'll keep going. Jews looking tired on what their finger on a song in the shape of the now. Went for a while. We knowing what this we, is is so funny. I know. We use our time and cannot stop coming to the rules. And I hit the ground running. Them a sense of aloha for farm near an Islamic jihad against all. <laughs> Islamic jihad. You cannot. You cannot make the case that it heard separate words. Islamic jihad for all. Is that the last? <laughs> A, a sense of aloha for farm near an Islamic jihad against all. Against all. Oh my god. This is unaltered. Like I didn't touch this. I just obviously started singing All Star by Smash yeah, Mouth. Yeah, yeah, I knew one that. of the so, best yeah, yeah. pieces of musical of course, the history. Best to choose. And, and that's what my told me. And that's what somebody it once told me. The world is Carol Rainey. <laughs> yeah, will you sing it actually? <laughs> no, I'm not going to sing it. Somebody well, it doesn't. It doesn't fit exactly. It's the thing. Yeah. It, it just like kind of hurt. Well, I just thought it was so absurd that my computer put Jews and Islamic Jihad in the verse of All Star by Did Smash you- Mouth. Do you have a political computer? Like, what I, is happening? I'd never use... I, actually, this was on my work computer that I did this, um, and I'd never used dictation before. I had to like turn it on and activate it, and this is what it came up with. So there's no... It, it, it didn't learn from past dictation. There's just no way. This is just what it heard when you... How did it get Islamic Jihad? Where does it pull this... Where is its dictionary coming from? Right, and Islamic Jihad are two different Islamic words, Jihad are two so, words, so it obviously so, knows some phrases. Right, right, to combine those two things. Um, what was, could you piece together what you were saying that heard Islamic Jihad? What are the lyrics I at mean, that point? I don't, uh, you, I mean, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that just, I, um, it's so far off. I'll never, insulting. I'll never, what does he say? I'll never make I sense. I know all the lyrics, but. 
but I don't remember what part of the song you're at at that My point. brain gets smart, but my head, my head gets, gets dumb. dumb. Head, I think it was right before that, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, but, that's absurd. Oh, man, that's bizarre. I did a bunch. I was uh, I tried to do some Third Eye Blind, song, Third Eye Blind songs for you. I would have enjoyed um, that. But uh, they didn't come out even remotely poem-worthy. Uh, here's one. This will be the this will be the last one that I read. <clears throat> this is a poem called uh, "Flowers." When can I help you? Yea, to have a dozen red roses. The police allege me, and I was your beta. That's me. How much? The only eighteen dollars a year of change I got in me. A theater testing face. A lot buying a lot. That had how poetic was that? Pretty. It, it had a. Even though I didn't understand it, there was it was connected in in thought. Like there was some. If you're saying that was a translation on your computer, is that what you're saying? Um, uh, it, this was this this was a massaged dictation. Uh, I massaged it. Okay, because what I was surprised by, if it was just pure dictation, is that it had some cohesiveness, even though I didn't understand it it was like well the money thing and who we are and like it 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 worked for a crappy poem um in a way um this is my favorite scene from the room where uh tommy was buys flowers uh. and, and, and pets the dog <laughs> i like that oh, that's pleasant i i, I enjoyed it i, I had to massage it, it or did you turn the volume up to the movie no i i read it yeah yeah, I didn't turn. That would have been fun to do, actually, is to do that. Uh, turn the volume up and let it just let it fly. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can I help you? Yeah, half a dozen red roses. I'd like to see. Oh, that. I didn't recognize you, Johnny, or whatever she yeah, says. Yeah, yeah, that whole quick scene is is. That's beautiful. me. That's a line in the poem. That's me. That one stayed untouched. I noticed you you reading it may have changed. Like I think when you read uh, Smash Mouth, you're like somebody once told me, and like I can't get away from it. Yeah. I can't help that. Somebody once told me. Somebody, somebody once told me. Yeah, no, somebody. you just body. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to not hear the song when you do that. I know, impossible. In, in closing, can we hear your poem, uh, "Wooden Teachers," one more time? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> he's a real poet you can tell he's a poem <laughs> uh, near the lake aside the trail there grow two trees entwined one a proud tall hardwood oak another softwood pine at distant glance they seem as one their trunks a single bowl yet on approach their likeness wanes two pieces not a whole how came these trees to their embrace? What cause fixed them so? What errant zephyr sowed their seeds so near decades ago? Do they battle for light and rain, upward struggling strife? Or is it mutual support, their difference aiding life? Would they prefer to be apart instead among their kin? Would felling them be gentle mercy or the gravest sin? The answer I fear I'll never know. Their lives will outlast mine. For now, I'll just keep wondering, should I seek oak or pine? I enjoyed that, man. It's a good poem. I like it. Thank you. I, I like it, too. I, it came out a lot better than, well, than I expected just trying to put together some nonsense for you to guess. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, I think, is that this, 
poetry creates a space for you to concentrate and write some words down in a specific way that can lead to greater realization. Like the art of practicing it is just as important. So even out of this exercise of is it poetry kind of thing um, led you to create something genuine and real. And like that's the beauty of poetry. Yep. Time to quit my job. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Put in my two weeks notice. I will write my two weeks notice as a poem. <laughs> Perfect. I'd like I to hear that today I quit, and I will now work on poetry and my on wit a, on a toolbox. I'll sit. <laughs> yes, thank you. Oh, you're a contributing poet. All right, All right that'll do it. That'll uh, do enough it. poetry. Enough poetry. Did it? Did it? Did it? Do. Bye. Bye.